Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's around the house. You know how many architects, some people say, look, I know you're busy or I'm in another town. I'm looking at these three architects. Will you look at their websites? Do you know how many architects have websites that just have 3D renderings of projects and not actual constructed houses? I have seen so many architects that uh, the, um, where my son was going to school, they they said, we want to hire you as the, as the architect for the campus. I said, no, thank you. I don't want to do work where I'm part of the community and have everybody bugging me. They want this, they want that, but I'll be happy to evaluate. So well, we really love this firm X. They had a great interview. And I looked at the website and I said, there's not one project that was built here. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B, a new kind of home improvement every single weekend. Thanks for joining us, Caroline. We've got a close and dear friend in the house today. The best, the best architect, the best I think he's the, like one of the funniest guests we have. So when he comes on, I always laugh because he's just so comical and just so easy. It's in his blood. Oh. And, and you see him on our social media. He's around everywhere. David Applebaum. Architect to the stars. Architect to the stars. Woo. Welcome back. Hey, how you doing, y'all? <laughs> you know, I don't know if I can continue after all of those platitudes. <laughs> Gee. <laughs> I don't know if any of them are accurate, especially me being easy. (laughs) Well, this is a family show, and we're not going to get into that today. (laughs) Thank you. Well, I wanted to bring you on. Caroline and I were talking about this because, you know, I've seen on social media here over the holidays and up through January and into February now, how many people out there are starting a house remodel or a new construction house and they've pulled up internet plans and all of a sudden they're on the interweb out there in a social media group talking about redesigning this house via the social media platform. And I'm going, (laughs) this is already such a bad way to start. I call those people dreamers many times because I know that there's no way that's going to get off the ground from that angle, but I wanted to talk about it. You know, it might get off the ground. It just might hit the ground really soon. too. Yeah. You know, I love let's let's dive into this. If you're thinking about doing a major remodel or an addition or something like that, or even starting to build a new house, I wanted to get your recommendations, David. Where do you start? Oh, that that is such a loaded question. And it's funny because not even major. I've got a friend who lives in San Diego who said, I want to open up my kitchen and my living room and my dining room. And I'm not sure if I even can. And 
so he came to me and I, I put him in touch with the right kind of people. He didn't need very much of me. Um, I have to say this is, it's, it's a really multifaceted question with even more multi-layered answers. And I would start off with what is it that you want? And from there, go into a couple of different directions. Um, I have said to you before, if you're throwing, I, I, let me start by saying, I hear a lot of people say, what do I need an architect for? I've lived in houses all of my life. I know what I like. I've got good taste. Well, you don't go to a wedding reception and say, you know what? I've cooked before and I know what I like when I eat. So I'm going to cook all of the food for the wedding reception when everybody knows the smartest idea is to hire a caterer. Exactly. And then you decide. No, no, no. I was going to say, I think people get scared when they hear the word architect because they think it's just automatically a big ticket item. And that's just my, I mean, I may be wrong with that. And it can be. No, you are here. So here's the other side of it. Okay. Which is what are you getting out of it? One of my prized employees who now is on his own, um, there was a new regulation in Los Angeles. And so I called him because I saw him applying for the low intensity development permit. And I was about to do my first. And I said, hey, what's going on with this? Um, can you give me a couple of pointers? Because sometimes we don't know everything either. He said, it'd be easier if I show you the drawings. But before I do, before I do, I want you to promise you won't give me any judgment. Because this was a client that only paid me $7,000 to do the architecture. So hmm. they got a box. And I made it really clear for $7,000, you're only getting a box. He said, I know you, even if you got a $7,000 commission, you would keep on designing it, redesigning it, redesigning it until it was perfect. I, I'm not willing to do that. So the point is you can specify with your architect how much you want and how much you're willing to spend. It doesn't have to be expensive. As a whole, I'm a full service architect. You hire me, I'm there from uh, evaluation of your program, uh, taking a close look at the codes. I'm doing a project right now that the client was smart enough to say, I had an architect that said he would do it for $5,000. Here's the drawing, something seems wrong about it. And I looked at it and I said, okay, in your neighborhood, there's an area restriction and he is three times the area that you're allowed to have, okay? Um, there's a height restriction and he's over the height restriction. You would have spent that small amount of architecture and you would have never gotten it built. Mm -hmm. And if you would have gotten built, it would have cost you $100,000 in variances. Sheesh. So I tell all of my clients, I guarantee you that when you hire me, I will save you as much money as my fee, if not more, by knowing how to do the right thing. And I didn't finish, you know, full service goes all the way through watching the construction process, observing it, reporting into the client the things that are going right and are going wrong, and making sure that the contractor charges the right amount. A, a client is not supposed to pay the contractor until the architect looks at the fees and say, wait a minute, 
you didn't put this in or you didn't put it in right or you have to put it in this way before I'll approve you getting a chance to get paid for it. You know, there's a lot of, as a designer, I've seen this a lot out there, David, and you're, and you're dead on right. I've seen, there's multiple different ways that I see contractors doing new construction house bids. They will go on to that. They will bid the house project to the remodel or whatever else. And I will see where everything's itemized. You can see that they have materials that are on par with that level of construction. And I'm like, okay, budgets are great. And then there's that handful of them out there that love to do that add-on change order where they're the changeover uh, kings not and just, queens. And not just one. No. And not just one change order. If a change order is about $4,000 or even $2,000, okay, which might not seem like a lot in a $200,000 house, you do 10 of those and you've added 10% to the price. That's the reason why... When the architect is involved and you're bidding the project, the architect has a responsibility to look into what the contractor is like, because there's several contractors that I know if if I've got three bids, this guy's going to always be 10% lower than everybody else because he knows he's getting in on that low price mm-hmm. and then he's going to change order the heck out of that project until it becomes more expensive than the most expensive contractor who had all of that figured out and isn't going to charge a penny extra. So question, do you go with the contractor that your architect would recommend or do you go with your own contractor? Wow. See, that's another loaded question because Mm -hmm. I know of this happened to me so often when I was younger, I would interview to do a house And the client would say, I want to redo my kitchen on the first floor, redo my utility room, open up the den. Then I want to add on to the second floor another two bedrooms. And I would say, okay, what's your budget? $500,000. It's like, okay, I can do the bottom floor for $500,000 or I can do the top floor for $500,000, but I can't do both. I can do both for about 850 or nine mm-hmm. um, with the guesstimate of what it's going to cost, but just the amount of how much it costs per square foot, what materials cost and labor and all that. My guesstimate is you're talking about a million dollar project. Okay. And I would never hear from them again until a year and a half, two years later. And then I'd get a call <laughs> and they'd say, so we went in with this architect who has his own contractor that he works with all the time. And he said he could get it done for $500,000. So we went with them. We didn't like the design, but we figured you get what you pay for. With David, you get beauty, but it's twice as much. We'll go with this cheaper guy. We know it's ugly, but we don't care. (laughs) We need all that square footage even because we can afford it. We'll just, you know, plant ivy on the exterior of the house. (laughs) It's now a year and a half later. We have framed and we have already put out checks of $480,000. And this mm-hmm. is clearly going to be a million dollar project, like you said. And we're kicking ourselves, wishing we would have hired you because if we're going to spend a million dollars, we should have gotten the good architecture. Mm-hmm. What am I supposed to say in a situation like that? You know, I yeah. mean, but so, so Caroline, here's the problem you don't know if the architect that you're talking to is a sleazeball because he might be. Yeah. 
Well, and then on top of that, David, you have to have as a homeowner, you have to bring everyone in together. This is like sports. It's a team. This is a team effort. And if the architect doesn't like the builder or the builder doesn't like the architect, this is going to be an ugly project. No matter how good the architect is and no matter how good the builder is, if those personalities don't work together, it's not going to be fun. I've told every single one of my clients, you've got a contractor. I want to meet him because I want to meet good contractors and I will let you know what I think. Um, But I will tell you, I could be the greatest architect in the world. And if you hire a schlock builder, nothing will go right. It'll cost extra. Things won't work and we'll all be frustrated. I could be a terrible architect and you could have a good builder and at least you'll have a solid house. The, key is to find a good architect and a good builder that work well together. I, you know, I've been doing it long enough. I'm always excited to meet new builders. I've got a project right now that the client said, oh, a friend of mine has a great builder. And it's like, okay, I want to meet them. I said, but I know two other contractors and I can tell you right now, their prices will be within 5% of each other. So in my opinion, you should meet them and whichever one you like best, let's sign up with them early and get them involved early so that way we can get everything ordered because especially with supply as it is, mm-hmm. we can now get all this, we can start ordering four months ahead of time, three months ahead of time, get everything that we need, especially the ones with long run times. And we know we're getting a great project. And by the way, when I'm looking at contractors, I have a very um, uh, secret way <laughs> that I test out contractors. But see, I'm, really? I've been around long enough. I know who in Los Angeles in particular, who the good stone yard is, who the good electricians are. Because a contractor, quite honestly, all they're doing is providing an excellent schedule where they're manipulating daily what's happening today, next week, next month, six months from now, so they can get the job done as effectively as possible. And they're having really good relations with good subcontractors because they're all, you know, the contractor usually isn't the plumber, isn't the framer, is the electrician, or if he's one of them, he's not all of them. And he's certainly not also the tile guy and the carpet guy. So they need to have good subs that do great work. So I ask the subs and the suppliers, I, the, the best stone yard in all of Los Angeles, I know some of the guys that run it. And so I'll call them and say, hey, I'm thinking about working with so-and-so. And they'll say either one of three things. I wouldn't trust them as far as I can throw them. Oh, yeah, we've worked with them. No problem. And the gold standard, they have a credit account with us. We don't uh-huh, there demand you go. payment. Yeah, we don't demand payment because we know they're good for it. We trust them. We have a long relationship. Those are the guys I want to work with. Nice. Or girls. Mm-hmm. I have women contractors I work with. You know, that's interesting, David, because... You know, I've thought about this as well because I've worked with hundreds of contractors over the years as a kitchen and bath designer. And that's one of the things that stone yard is dealing with a contractor late in the project. So schedules get blown up. When schedules get blown up, it affects the stone yard the most because they're trying to get in there towards the end of the project. 
and they're the ones that are scrambling. So they see that schedule being off track. And usually that's about the time that the payments, the money starts getting a little tighter because they've been paying all the bills. Oh, you, you got my little secret. That's what, and yeah, that's exactly why I go with them. That's why I call them first because they're the ones that see the, the end of, you know, as well as I do, the last 10% of the project is as much effort as the first 90. Yep. So if you're involved in, in, in getting a peek at what that last 10% is, I'm doing a project right now, right now. And this kind of, it's funny how architecture goes full circle. When I was working for somebody, I, you know, I did Frank Sinatra's train room. Yep. And then Frank went to my old boss to do his beach house. And, um, I mean, look, the guy had some issues. He'd lost the last living relative in his life, in his family, and he was not in a good place. And he showed up and he had had a couple too many. And they were they said, no, 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 we don't want to work with this. This is not good. And the decorator said, remember, David, you did your train room. He's on his own. And that's how that happened. I'm now doing the fourth project for that decorator's kids. And um, the three projects before, they said, we have the contractor, don't worry. And they were awful, inexpensive, but awful. And it always cost them at the end in ways, for instance, for instance, they had a bad electrician. And so the wiring never, the lights didn't work. The gate operator didn't work. All of these. And I said, please let me get you a good contractor, please, please. So on this one, it was a little more complicated. I said, please let me get you one of my better contractors, which they hired. Nice. We're almost done. And the client is like, I cannot believe how easy this process is. Like, that's what happens when you hire a good contractor. And I could then go circle back to what we're talking about. That's why you hire a good architect. I cannot tell you how many times. And see, this then goes back to what we were saying before. Everybody wants it cheap now and they want it so cheap and so free and there's so many architects saying well i'm willing to do that house for four thousand dollars like my former employee did even though the proper fee would be 20 i'll do it for four but they're only going to get a box well he was smart he only did a box i've seen so many houses where you look at the elevation and it doesn't match the plan which doesn't match the cross section and you call the architect to say um you know, excuse me, what are we supposed to do? This plate line means that the ceiling is only five feet tall. It's not at least the eight feet tall it's supposed to be. To be legal, what are we supposed to do? And the architect doesn't even answer the phone because they have no answer for it. But if you're like me and you put the time into making sure, I mean, you know as well as I do, because you all know me, I build models of every single project I ever do and i do it because you a a drawing if you've seen an mc escher sketch you can have a staircase that that goes right into itself you can lie on a two-dimensional format trying to draw something three-dimensional but a model never lies and then you notice oh this corner i could wrap this around you don't see that in flat drawings but in a model you can and it also tells you oh Oh, I missed that plate line. You know, so when 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 I did Cuba Gooding Jr.'s house, I spent a week on the roof and I did it with a model 
not with drawings. And when the roofer, when the framer was getting ready to do the roof, I was at the job site and it was 1130, 12 o'clock. And the guy who ran the crew walked over to me and said, I'm going home with a six pack of beer and your roll of drawings. Nobody ever gets the roof right. I'm going to meet me here tomorrow at eight and I'll tell, tell you where you went wrong. It was like, okay. And I'm thinking, I, I did a model. I, I mean, I guess yeah. it's possible. I could have made a mistake. And I showed up and they were already building the roof. I said, hey, you wanted me here at eight. So that we started at six. It's like, okay, well, here I am. What do you want to say to me? He said, there's nothing wrong with your drawings. We're just building it. But, you know, but, but see, that, that, that week I spent on that roof saved my client money because they didn't have to reframe it. Exactly. Caroline, you had a question over there. I, I think the question becomes, and we're all in this quandary, clients come to us all the time and they want everything done inexpensively. And I've had clients who now have been to, let's say, mm -hmm. 10 environmental consultants. They've got a problem with their house. They have no answers. They've run up, racked up bills, testing and whatnot. And then they get to me or to David or whoever or, or Eric and they're like, well, you need to do it cheap because I spent so much. I've made these mistakes along the line. And now somehow the person who's going to do it right has to compensate financially for all the mistakes that were made. So how do we deal with that? Like contractors yeah. listen to the show all the time. And I want this information. How do we deal with the customer that comes to us and says, I've been burned. I don't want to pay a lot. We don't want to lose the client. But on the same time, we don't want to sell ourselves out. So what do we do? I got, I got something to add to this. Going back and being the repair person on either the drawings or the construction will always be more than what it would have cost to do it right the first time. It's always. never less, ever. I just turned, I was told, I have a construction manager that has hired me to be an architect on a couple of projects. And he called me and said, hey, I need a deck. And I said, for you, I'll do something small like a deck, no problem. I mean, I'm kind of busy, but I want to take care of you. You're good for business. So his assistant calls me four weeks later and then describes that what's happened is it's been built. They took a shortcut. It wasn't actually done to the drawings and they have to fix it. And I said, whoa, that's not what you told me. And I hate to tell you, when I was 20, I would have figured out a way. I would have, eat, I would have lost money but I would have done it for the relationship that quite honestly, you can't count on. Nope. So nope. I'm at that age now where it's like, you know what? I'm sorry. I can't help you. Yeah. I do not do fixes anymore. I have done so many projects. When I say so many, it's too many, but it's only been about four, but four projects where it's like, Oh, my architect is a thief. He did this. He did that. He lied. I want to <laughs> hire you and fix it for me. Not one of those projects were built because the client was the, was the crazy one. And yeah. it's not our responsibility to fix crazy. So if you're going to always change the rules and like uh, one of those clients, it was a $12 million project. You bet I'm going to take over a $12 million house because my fees would be astronomical and it would be three years worth of work. And I was so excited. 
I did a house that was a $12 million house. Ooh, I don't know if we have $12 million. Can you do a $10 million house? Okay, sure, no problem. And then you just take a couple of things out, it turns to $10 million house. Gee, I don't know about 10 million. What can you do for seven and a half? Well, now it takes a whole redesign. Yeah. And I now have in my contract, when I redesign it, we start all over again. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I kept my percentage to the point where it went from 12 to 10 to seven and a half to five to three to, well, what can you do for a million and a half? And oh, by the way, we've paid you so much money. You owe us. You're going to do the rest of it for free. And I said, thank you. No, thank you. Well, Caroline, you and I on the contractor side of this, we have, you know, a client that you're working with that has got a, you've heard us talk about it on the show a little bit in the past, a a basement project that went sideways. And the first two people that I reached out to that could possibly take on the job that came in from a great referral, they did the same thing as contractors. They're like, you know, with COVID, with everything else, we're busy. We don't want to get into somebody else's Mess. potential lawsuit. We're out. And they hadn't even yeah. gone out to look at it yet. They hadn't met anyone. They just went, nah, I'm busy enough. I don't need it. it you have to really want to take a loss. Like that shower, bathroom, tile fiasco that your cohorts saved. Oh, the crazy contractor. They didn't make any money on that. No. Yeah, they didn't, you know, and, and, and might I add, let's not forget how much heartache and headache they have gotten and the homeowner have gotten for doing a nice thing and how they're being uh, accused of all kinds of nasty uh, um Comments yeah. and yeah. abuse yeah. for no reason. Yeah. Or yeah, character assassination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, you, you know, you, you, and so sometimes you, I, I hate to say it, but sometimes you just have to keep your eye on the ball and, and take care of what you need to take care of. Um, you know, I mean, by the same token, what's getting tough for architects like myself is it used to be somebody would call me and say, hey, our kids are now almost elementary school age. We want to move from our neighborhood to a neighborhood that is better schools. We found three properties that we like. We don't know which one is the best one to go. Would you go with us and we'll figure out which remodeling or teardown is the best. And so you look and you, you do the pros and the cons and you give them a valuation statement on all of those. And then they would pick one and you would do it and you would get your permit in six months and you'd build it in nine months and they'd be in it within within two years, usually within a year and a half, but certainly within two years. Well, now with the permit process, especially with COVID, it now takes two years to get a permit and then it takes another nine months to build. So I'm losing more jobs to flippers. There are so you can't, that client that wanted to look at the three properties, they don't exist anymore because flippers are coming in and overpaying with cash yep. mm-hmm. to get this house. So there aren't anything available unless the guy already owns the house. Okay. And then they're doing a re because I, I looked, I, when I was looking to buy a house myself, I was looking at some of these that were available and there were ones that had $250,000 with a foundation repair that needed to be mm-hmm. done. And the flippers came in with cash and paid 
as much as a brand new house would be on that street. And there's no way that they would spend the kind of, I mean, I'm telling you, every wall was cracked. Yeah. The, 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 the uh, garage had a crack where the two parts of the slab were an inch and a half higher than one another and a three inch gap in between. It's a the lot of movement. Slipping. Yeah. And so I'm sure that what they did was they put an epoxy seal over, they ground it down, put an epoxy seal on it and somebody bought it and didn't realize they were getting something absolutely worthless, but there isn't that much opportunity for architecture, which is why so many architects are giving their services away. And if you want just a box, if you want an elevation that doesn't match a floor plan, then yeah, that's the cheap way to go, but it'll end up costing you so much in the long run, but it's hard to get the word out. And then as an, it's really hard as an environmental consultant, I'm seeing the problems that are covered up. So I'm seeing the damage, the infrastructure that's destroyed, that's causing the leaks or even the radon problems or, you know, whatever it happens. And now you've got health issues with a homeowner on top of the fact that they can't afford to fix what was wrong to begin with. So when you're yeah. choosing, I've, yeah, I've, no, when you're choosing your contractor no, no, architect no. Go ahead, no but when you're choosing us or choosing your contractor your architect your consultants you need to make sure that they are qualified and you know in my organization there's places people can go one to find out if you've got your appropriate credentialing your education but then also reading bios finding out where people went talking to other people like you know if you go yeah. on david's website you're going to find out a so whole cool. bunch about him his background where did he train and those things are completely important and you cannot trade it off for something to be cheap. You are going to get what you pay for. And I can't say this enough. And there are people like when you come to Eric or David or myself, look, there's always these pro bono cases that we take on that we're definitely not making what we should in order to help. Right. But at the end of the day, you can't yeah. rely on that. You have to realize you're going to have to pay out for somebody good and for expertise. The, the, the best thing that I have to say about this, about what you, response to what you said is you were saying when you go to my website, you know how many architects, well, some people say, look, I know you're busy or I'm in another town. I'm looking at these three architects. Will you look at their websites? Do you know how many architects have websites that just have 3D renderings of projects and not actual constructed houses? I have seen so many architects the um, where my son was going to school, they they said we want to hire you as the as the architect for the campus. I said no, thank you. I don't want to do work where I'm part of the community and have everybody bugging me. They want this, they want that, but I'll be happy to evaluate it. So, well, we really love this firm X. They had a great interview, and I looked at the website and I said, there's not one project that was built here, not one. They're all computer renderings. Wow. That means. They either couldn't meet the budget, they couldn't get the permit, or they hmm. pissed off the client and got fired. That's not who you want to hire. You want to hire somebody that you can actually see that they've done work and talk to people and say, yeah, this was David. You know, the worst thing about David is when the contractor doesn't come in with any passion, he starts yelling at him and saying, you either show up and do your work or we'll find another contractor. So true. So true. I had one client call me the Tasmanian devil. Ah. <laughs> it's like, David's fine. 
until that one moment when you really piss him off and then he goes crazy. (laughs) I got a question for you, David, and I know this is a double-edged sword question as well. Uh What do you think about homeowners putting completion dates in their contract with builders? Mm. Woof. (laughs) Yes. And you know what? I'm going to answer it with a double-edged sword answer because I I cannot tell them any clients say, and I want to put in there a hefty financial penalty if they don't get it done by X date. And I'd say, I completely understand that. And I have no problem with that as long as you put a bonus in there of an equal <laughs> amount of money if he or she gets finished before that date. Nice. Because you cannot be one-sided. You have to give and take. And I mean, I'm I'm actually just I'm just starting work on a project that's next door to another project that was way over budget because the client bought a house in Malibu. I signed the contract in December. They wanted to move in July 4th weekend. That was six months to draw it, permit it, and get it built. Wow, this is like extreme home makeover. We paid a lot, or we. They paid a lot of overtime. We had on, it's a tiny lot. Malibu lots are not huge on the beach. We had 180 people a day there. It was such a massive humanity working on that project. We had 11 porta pots. 11. That's how, and they got cleaned three times a week. That's how many people were there. And that's such a waste um, of time because so many people are stepping over the top of each other. The electrician is in there working over the top of the plumber, you know? Well, unless unless you have, and in this case, one of the best builders in all of Los Angeles who had a job captain that was the spreadsheet king. (laughs) Got it. And I will admit, and you know, it was, I had the same kind of, um, uh, of bonus structure. So I was at the job site four days out of the week, if not all five. And when the superintendent, who was a Coast Guard reserve, mm-hmm. had to take a week off, yep. the contractor asked me if I would be at the job full time every single day to run the job in his place instead of bringing one of his other guys in because I knew the job. And of course, I was happy to do it. And the <laughs> The superintendent said to me, the framer, because we had so many people on top of each other, the framer is persnickety and he's going to get his feelings hurt and he's going to go stomping off the job site. And your job is to walk over to him and put your hand on his shoulder and say, Dave, his name is Dave also, Dave, you're absolutely right. You are right. You are being treated so badly. I wish there was something I could do. (laughs) <laughs> but we love you and we really need you to come back. And it's exactly, I had to do it twice. And, <laughs> Talk and them off the ledge. Work. Talk them off the but, ledge. But you know, I mean, you know, it was so when it, the, so it's so funny because this is a contractor um, who uh, had enough in his reserves that every single subcontractor, you know, with most contractors, the contractor, gets the work done by the sub, the sub sends a bill, the bill gets then submitted to the client, the client pays the bill to the contractor, and then the contractor pays the sub. Correct. This contractor on this job said to every sub, I will pay you 
the day you give me a bill. Wow. If you do the work I'm asking you to do, I will pay you out of my own pocket. So when he said the electrician, I need nobody at my job tomorrow or the next day, but then I need twice as many people the day after that. There were twice as many people the day after that. Yeah. And happily, because the subcontractor, this is, and so this is how you know the subcontractors know a good contractor because they know how to treat their subs, pay their subs, be responsible for the subs, back them up when they need to be backed up and discipline them when they need to be disciplined. Cool. What my question is now, does it hurt quality when you put that kind of thing in there, when they're trying to get things done early for that financial gain? That's always the million dollar question. Yes. Well, in this project, it did not. In most, in nine out of 10 projects, yes, I completely get it. But we had some of the best subcontractors in all of Los Angeles working on this project. And we were all a team. And that was one of the reasons I will say this. I may be the Tasmanian devil when you piss me off, but when you're doing the job, there is nobody that is more complimentary and nobody that is more supportive and has your back better than me. So that's why I was there at the job site every day. I was there as much as a cheerleader. I mean, I was there every single day because I wanted to make sure I drew this. I've spent a lot of time on this. You've just walked on to this job to wire something. Let me tell you what the little secret is in this and let me help you. And so you you are right most of the time. This was um, a one in a million type of thing where I actually just saw the house 20 years later. Hmm. Wow. It's pristine. It's pristine. The only thing that ever happened to that house that was not was it's in Malibu. We had the, was it the Woolsey fire two years ago? Mm -hmm. There was smoke damage. So the paint had to be scrubbed and redone. And, you know, that was, that was it. And that has nothing to do with the quality of the work. Well, I've got a question for you here as well, David, and this is going to take you down into Caroline's world a little bit too. You know, I see builders out there that have done wonderful work over 30 years, but they have not stayed up on top of current traditional or even a high performance building advances, which leads you inside to healthy home. You know, the way that they wrap the outside, the flashings, that kind of stuff. And in today's day and age, especially in an area like me with Portland, where I'm located, where, you know, water intrusion is a massive issue. What are you seeing out there? What is a good way to, to get that project started with the builder to make sure that they understand that? Because many times you're not specifying those systems but you're leaning on the builder to do that correctly on the exterior and thus leading into all the healthy home implications inside the house. Yeah. You're basically bringing up the main reason why I turned to prayer. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> this, this goes back to what I was saying where a contractor needs to have the best subcontractors because a contractor isn't the waterproofer is not the framer is not the electrician. And so um, it's one of the reasons why I like going to job sites and talking to the people because I'll ask them, so I've heard about, what do you think about, what do you do when? 
Um, those are the questions that I like to ask because you're right. You know, the way that we wrap a house is so different. And, you know, Caroline and I have known each other for a while and we bonded over with me asking her some questions about healthy homes. And I said, I just need you to know I am not a fan of the zero energy house. And I could hear her on the other side of the phone jumping up and down going, me too, <laughs> me too. They're so unhealthy. They're, you know, we li I live in California where there's so many energy standards that you have to meet. And it basically creates an ice cooler where it's so sealed. You have one drop of water. It's not getting any air. It's not getting any light. It turns into rancid oh. mold eventually. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We, we, um, yeah, Caroline, you really need to have a glass of tea. Okay. Um, so, um, we, so, you know, it's really important to be I'm on top of these new ways to, to rap and, you know, other kinds of things, because, you know, it's, it, it takes a village. You know, when, when you're talking about, here's the thing that's the most important. And this is why I think you need to hire an architect. Okay. Because someone has to be the owner's agent and make sure that what it is that they want is done correctly for a fair price. And so hopefully you hire somebody like me that tries to take your lifestyle and figure out how to make the best house that choreographs your life best. Everyone's different. When you just when you wake up in the morning, some people have to brush their teeth. Some people have to go to the bathroom. Somebody has to uh, go for a run. Somebody has to have a cup of coffee. Somebody has to check on the kids. Whichever one of those you are, my job is to make it so the house serves that that way. And um, and so there's that. And then with that, then making sure the client gets what they want. And you're also, I can't tell you many times I've been called because somebody says, I have a $2 million budget. I hired an architect. The bids came in. The lowest one was 6.2 million, not two. I can't afford that. What do we do? And so it's like, well, you have to start all over again. You can't just take out this and that. I can maybe make it five for that, but I can't make it two. Yeah. Um, so you have to design it then in a responsible way that not only gives the client what they want, you don't want to be that used car salesman, you know, that's saying, you know, oh, you want a car? Well, and then all of a sudden you've got 17 add-ons that you don't really need that you're paying money for, or you're getting an SUV when really you should just get a little coupe, or you're getting, you know, a pickup truck that does work rather than is a family car, all those. So then you want to make sure that that architect is part of the process to pick the right contractor. So you don't just go for the low bid, you go for the fair bid. And then you watch it and make sure that it gets built so that it is the right kind of waterproofing, it is the right kind of sealant, it is the right kind of air conditioning. And then you want to have them move in and make sure that it is just right. So, um, you know, you, you can, I'm not saying you can't survive without an architect, but you're more than likely going to end up with extraneous payments, maybe an unusable space. You know, I mean, all these people, oh, I want to put a fireplace in, but it doesn't fit. Let's put it in the corner. Well, you put it in the corner and now all of a sudden the furniture doesn't work. Yep. You know, what are you thinking about the television? No, no. 
I think the point of this is that an architect does a lot more than just design, right? I think people assume an architect is just going to do your layout, your design, what it's going to look like. But there is so much more. An architect can help you pick product. A lot of my clients who have done green builds or even lead builds, that architect is their key go-to person for product selection and knowing what's going to be environmentally savvy and what's going to work with the house. And especially a lot of my clients who have allergy and chemical sensitivity needs, if you find the right architect, that person can make your life so tremendously easier when when designing a house. So I think that I think well, there's so much. Can I more. tell you how much? Can I tell you how much I hate lead builds? By the way, <laughs> me too. As a designer, <laughs> me too. How David much I hate that? Too. I'm Ugh. like, Ugh. okay, we're in a lead community. I was doing this house in a lead community, and they had to do lead, and they wanted to do the kitchen cabinets out of this straw material. Ugh. Ugh. And this stuff, excuse me, I'm sorry if you're the company that makes this. This stuff back in the 2000s was crap. It was and like get built- it wet, and it's even more crap. And, and it's in a kitchen or a bathroom. Yeah, and I mean, this stuff was like making cabinetry out of rice cakes. I mean, uh, if you looked at it funky, yeah, fall down. You would. I mean, let's put it this way: if I picked up a cast iron pan that was on a shelf in a cabinet and dropped it a half of an inch, the chance of that cabinet completely coming off the wall and landing yeah. on the floor is about a 50-50 shot. And I'm not and exaggerating. Not just will it probably not last long. When I was doing Cuba Goody Jr.'s house, mm-hmm. he, he gave me his budget and I said, okay, do you want a green lead kind of house? And of course I do. I said, okay, for that price... I can give you a 4,000 square foot house, or I can give you a 3,000 square foot, maybe 2,800 square foot greenhouse. And he's like, what? And I said, well, you know, if it's going to be that, you've got to get lumber from a certain source. You can't use PVC because it, you know, it's made in one place and driven all the way over. I said, I'm just going to tell you this. If you let me do your, you know, it's standard construction house. I will provide latent, passive, cost-effective ways of keeping your house cool in the summer and warm in the winter. We'll put in stone floors, you know, we'll put windows with shade in the right place. We'll orient it just right. We'll get it so that you, you know, you, you have the materials that are the best materials. They may not be on a scale of one to 10, that lead house has a material that's on a green level, a 10, but on a construction level, it's a two. So why can't we use an eight as a material that is an eight as far as green, but a 10 as a material? And 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 he said, for the extra, I, I, I want to have another kid. So yeah, I need the bigger house. And the lead stand. And so, you know, it was, and I'm telling- No, go ahead. And the, uh, the lead, the lead yeah. standard, just for people who, who know about lead- it's a metric system. So basically what happens is your house could really be toxic, but because it meets a metric that is according to a lead, it'll get lead certification. Yeah. So you could have high levels of formaldehyde in a house, for example, but it met all the other lead parameters and it passes as lead, even though it's completely unhealthy. Right. So anyone out there who- Because it's energy yeah, only. Yeah. 
and other, and it's just, yeah, you're, you're chasing points. You're, you're, you're chasing lead points. So you're picking a material, not because it's safe from a toxicity level, but because it's locally sourced and it's made out of bamboo instead of, you know, being, I mean, mean, let's, let's not forget, you know, I'm, I'm on top of all of these things, you know, the the all of the wood associations, the Western Cedar Association, the Canadian Hardwood Association, they're all showing us how they are responsibly planting, replanting, and getting, you know, and then picking and 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 uh, processing lumber in a way that is not detrimental Sustainable, to the environment. Right. Mm-hmm. So you know, look, uh, yeah, I live in Los Angeles. When I was a kid. I would watch The Tonight Show and I would watch Laughing and they would joke about the brown skies. Okay? Mm-hmm. We are not perfect, but we have not had a smog alert in Los Angeles since I've lived here unless there's a forest fire and there's mm-hmm. smoke particulate in the air for natural reasons. But we are improving. You don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You can still do a good, responsible job and not have to go all plant-based. I mean, we were talking about this before. You know, Germany is so big on making everything environmental. Their cars now have wires that are no longer wrapped with plastic because that doesn't degrade. So what do they do? They wrap it with soy. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what rats and mice and (laughs) raccoons like to eat? You know, soy. Where you 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 had the the car guy who was talking about a mushroom, mushroom seats, uh, you know, a pulse. I'm digging yeah, my, two weeks ago. <laughs> mushroom are, seats. Are you? I mean, are you kidding me? This is what these animals. The, it's food you're putting in. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I, I get it. You put a car out in the heat in LA with just a little bit of moisture that gets trapped <laughs> in there with a mushroom soup. Like you're gonna have mushroom soup. That's disgusting. How's that gonna work yes. out? And what if? What if it's one of those mushrooms that has psychedelic properties <laughs> yeah. and you're driving and there's heat? Well, that's the San Francisco edition. <laughs> that's the Northern California edition is what that is. <laughs> that's the, that's the, uh, it's, that's the hate Ashbury edition. <laughs> yeah, you know, this also goes to prove, and this is something else. This has not necessarily as much to do with construction and architecture, but we live in a world now where everybody likes to complain about everything. There's always a Karen somewhere. There's so many, you know, whether you're on the right or the left, they'll take that. There's a 10, like they'll say, well, you know, solar doesn't work in the winter and the cold, it doesn't work. No, it doesn't work as well in the cold, but mm-hmm. it still works. The in, the International Space Station is in like, you know, sub-freezing temperatures in the middle of space. It's powered by solar. It works, but because that, it isn't as efficient. They say, you know, hey, look, solar doesn't really work. It's not really. Well, there's always a way to find a problem in anything. Look, there's something nice to be said about zero energy houses because it doesn't take energy. I get that. But there's also a bigger picture and it's easy to complain. It's easy to find a reason not to hire an architect. It's easy to find a reason not to hire a contractor. It's easy to find a reason to go for the cheap guy. But there's also something to be said for doing it in a way that is responsible, step-by-step, good decisions that you can live with for a long time. And, you know, I think one of the things I love about this show and the both of you, I've, I've, I've come to really appreciate the two of you as people because you're really smart, 
and you're very opinionated, but you're also very open and you're willing to listen to both sides or the three sides of an argument and make an intelligent decision. And I think the purpose of this show is, you know, should you hire an architect? Well, I'm an architect. I'm going to say you should. But there are reasons when it isn't always the best reason. And it also, you have to kind of gauge what's best. Like my friend in San Diego, he didn't pay very much to get me to take a look at and then send him to an engineer. This is a load-bearing wall. You'll do something like this, you know, have the engineer draw it, you know, then just have your contractor follow all the details, the molding and all that stuff that's in the existing house and you're done, you yeah. know? And, and then he called me and, you know, he called me and said, I want to put outdoor heaters. Should they be gas or should they be electric? I said, well, it depends. Are you going to go solar? I said, I already have solar panels. I said, well, then the answer electric. is electric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You think I charged him for that? Come on. No. No. No, but I mean, here's the thing. You know, I always recommend that people figure out on any kind of a big project, figure out what your budget is in your head first. Okay, I'm going to build a $800,000 house. I'm going to build a $2 million house. Or you're in the Midwest and you're going to build a really cool $200,000 house. Whatever you're doing, right? Figure that budget out first and then hire the best people to help get you there. Well, I'm going to add to that, okay? I built in in the house that I lost in my divorce. My I built a guest house that was my office, two thousand square feet, mm-hmm. two thousand square feet. One hundred and five thousand dollars is what I spent. Nice. Yep. Because I made it my business. There were some things that if it would have been a client, I would have recommended something else. But I wanted to see what it was like to put a lot of small windows in instead of one large window with a huge support. Um, Cause I wanted to see what it felt like. And, and, you know, it was, it was my house. So I could always add that later on. But the point is, even if it's not a large project, if you go to the right person, mm-hmm. you can get something. And I'm very proud of what I did. I'm doing a garage right now. And the client said, I'm only spending X amount of dollars, but I want some, I, they, they have kind of this mid-century modern classic house. And that's why they didn't hire the guy who was going to do it for $4,000 and it, and you couldn't even build it. Not only is mine buildable and mine permittable, mine is phenomenal. And what he had before was just a, it was just a box with a shed roof. It was ugly. I wouldn't put it on anything, much less a beautiful house like that. I have a question for David. So as an architect... If Uh you had to hire an architect, let's just say you couldn't do the job. What is the number one question you would ask an architect, being an architect, to know if you were going to hire that person for a job? Like, what would be a deal breaker? I I regret to say I don't. Yeah, I don't know if it's a single question as much as a series of questions that would have to do with their design philosophy, how they work with contractors how they estimate the prices of construction, what their success rate is. I mean, when I was younger, you know, somebody would say, I have $300,000. Like, okay, and I'm thinking in my head what I could do. And I would just guess, I think we can do this. I didn't know for the first 10 years of my career, I would say, this is, I think this is 300,000. I think this is a million. I think this is 2 million. And I'd be within 10%. It's a little harder to do now because I don't know what construction prices are anymore. You know, they're, they're, they're fluctuating on a daily basis, 
But, um, you know, I would personally ask to talk to past clients because I think that's probably, this is a, when you hire an architect, it's a relationship. If you're, if it's, if it's short, it lasts six months, but in most cases, it's a two to four year process that you're with. It's a long time. Yeah. And, and, and actually a lifelong, I mean, I'm, I can't tell how many projects I've worked on over the years, not because something went wrong, but because they want something new or they want to expand. And, you know, you want to be able to, I mean, I, I, one of my clients had recently who I've done other projects for, we're doing remodeling. We got into a little bit of an argument over whether I should include these extra six drawings for free. I said, no, I should get paid. And so he said, you know what? We've, we've known each other for 20 years. I don't want to destroy this relationship. Let's take this. We also were thinking about doing X, Y, Z. How much would you want to get paid for this these drawings plus X, Y, Z? And we came up with, you know, something that worked to both of our satisfactions. There you go. Now I've got one thing I want to bring up before we wrap this up. Cause as always, David, time always flies with uh, you I know. in the studio, yeah. but I wanted to touch on this. Cause I think it's just as important of a point to bring up before you start. These are all big projects that you're bringing an architect in tr tr traditionally. It's a remodel. It's a new construction house. You as the homeowner have something you have to do. And that is to get your own life in order. This is going to be through a building process, through a modeling process, something that's going to be stressful. Whether or not you're yes. living in the house or not. And you're going to yes. have decisions you're going to have to make. So if you're thinking about in your relationship that you're going to go through a divorce mm -hmm. or you've got some troubles at work and things aren't going well, get your own house in order before you dive into this project, because I tell you what, I, I know you have horror stories too, because you have to at this point of people that have gone on to this, that have gone down this road of remodeling or even trying to get themselves a healthy home, Caroline, that they are in a train wreck of a place in life. Mm -hmm. And it's not the place to take, yeah. to start a project uh, like I this. I had an old boss, the, the boss that I had before the la the second to last boss I ever had only had one project ever built. And one of the reasons why was he would, he was a jerk. <laughs> he would pit the husband against the wife, oh. whoever agreed with him. He, he supported. I, of the four projects I worked on with him and six that I followed afterwards, None of them got built. Of those 10, eight didn't get built because they ended in divorce. Mm -hmm. And two didn't get built because the client had a heart attack. Oh. Wow. So, you know, I, but the thing is that really taught me how important my part is in A, evaluating the clients. Because, you know, what's funny. What's also a bad client is not only someone who hasn't gotten their life together, but newlyweds. Ah. Newlyweds oh, yeah. that both of them say, what do you want? Whatever you want, honey. No, whatever you want. And they don't have yet a language that is, they each have languages that are their own, but they haven't figured out the third language that is them together. And so I have to act as a psychologist and I have mm -hmm. to, I can't tell you how many projects I've worked on where the husband wants one thing and the wife wants the other. And my job is to say, okay, the two of you stop, take a breath. 
I believe that what he's saying, the essence of it is he wants more freedom to move around from this spot to the other, while you want to emphasize this. I think I can give you what you both want by moving this refrigerator from this wall to this wall, and I think you both get what you want. That's kind of what you're looking for in an architect is, you know, you're part psychologist, you're part mentor, mm-hmm. you're part future teller, you're, 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 and then you're an expert. It's, you know, look, when you try and under bid an architect, what you don't understand is I had seven years of education. Mm-hmm. I had three years of internship. I had four days and 42 hours worth of exams to take to get my license. Okay. There's continuing education plus all these other soft bits like psychology <laughs> and that. And it just makes it, re- you know, you're, you, you're hiring not somebody to draw plans. At least when you hire me, you're not hiring somebody to draw plans. You're asking for me to interpret how you're going to live the rest of your life and make sure that it gets done in a way that you get a responsible job that is safe, that is at a fair price, and makes you happy and makes your life better. David, on that, I think we should wrap because that is the perfect ending for this episode. Thank you, my friend, for coming on today. Thank you. I I just hope I, sometimes it's like, we're done. It's like, what the hell did I just say? No. Oh my God. I don't <laughs> understands the logic that this ADD mind is going all over the place with. <laughs> and make sure to check out David's new website at davidapplebaum.com. Correct. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, yeah. I got into several arguments with people. There was, I hired people to do it and they, I'd say, can you scooch this over to the left? It's like, Oh, come on. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it myself. And you did a great job. Thanks my friend. I'm still toying with you. Okay. <laughs> hey, love you guys. Be well, everyone out there, stay safe, stay healthy and try to live a beautiful life. I'm Eric G and I'm Caroline B and you've been listening to around the house. It's Eric G from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.